Okay, we invited Faith Ab- Abiodun, who is uh, the director of the International Relations Council at the African Leadership Academy. And we also invited Martha Shumba, who's a Zimbabwean-born activist living in South Africa. She also happens to be the executive director of the Coalition Against Sanctions. And the big question as we uh, do our audit today is what will it take uh, to fix uh, Zimbabwe? Because the year 2020 has opened, right? But it opens with increasing foreboding for Zimbabweans. Uh, There's a looming drought uh, that the United Nations has already uh, flagged, sorry, uh, and it it threatens to make uh, dire the complex social, economic and political conditions uh, that uh, Zimbabwe is currently in. And those social, economic and political problems that they face are a continuation of the last couple of decades of suffering that citizens have endured owing to some well-storied internal and external dynamics. Well-storied, because uh, 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 welcome, guys. Uh, Everybody knows. And let's start with the politics, really. Um, uh, Faith and Martha, welcome. Thank you so much. Let's start with, uh, maybe let's start with policy. Right. I think uh, it's it's a great way to to begin our conversation. Uh, Zimbabwe's uh, uh, domestic and foreign policies, are they what you ideally think they should be? And any one of you can go first. I'll defer to Martha as the Zimbabwean in the room, and I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll chip in afterwards. Lovely to be here and, and mm-hmm. great conversation uh, that we're about to have. But um, I want to talk about foreign and domestic policy in, in, in Zimbabwe. Martha, you want to start? I'll, I'll, I'll pick off from where you start. Oh, okay. Because foreign, foreign and, and, and economic, I mean, foreign and domestic policy drive uh, economic uh, growth or lack thereof, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. So it's a, an important place to start. It's like the uh, the foundation of the home. The home is going to rattle a bit if the foundation is not solid. Absolutely. Right? That's true. Yeah. Absolutely. I love, <clears throat> thank you for having me here. Thank you so much to the listeners. Thank you so much for what you just said, that um, uh, internal and external uh, problems and issues that has escalated for decades now. Mm. And before we even talk about foreign foreign or external policies that can attract anybody for us to fix Zimbabwe, let's talk about the brand Zimbabwe. Mm. Because what we are trying to do as Zimbabweans and the rest of the world is taking a template elsewhere Mm -hmm. and want to plaster it Mm -hmm. in what is called Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. It's taking mathematical notes and wanting to use them in history Mm -hmm. exam, if I might put it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, Zimbabwe was not uh, uh, built on pen and paper Mm. for starters. Mm. So when people come with uh, certain policies that they think can fix our country, it's not going to happen. In the rest of SADC, Zimbabwe was, was, um, was liberated through the, the, the struggle. Mm-hmm. through fighting the they, barrel of the gun yes yes they had to fight britain and they won the war so what we need to do right now as zimbabweans that i think is the solution is to fix our own internal internal issues and where do we start by uniting the people of zimbabwe the same way 
we united the same way the Zanla and the Zebra united to win back Zimbabwe. How do you start the process of uniting Zimbabweans, though? Because uh, Zimbabweans are sprawled all over uh, the world. Uh, A large uh, number of them find themselves here in South Africa. You yourself are here in South Africa. How do you Mm -hmm. begin the process for the purposes of plunging this country out of the Mm -hmm. economic abyss Mm -hmm. that it finds itself in? How do you begin that process of Mm -hmm uniting Zimbabweans? The process of uniting Zimbabweans it will start by uniting what we call the Shona people and the Ndebele people. We can so preach. the divisions already yes, exist in exactly. s- even inside. Mm. Even inside. At a cultural level. Exactly. Mm-hmm. At a cultural and tribal level, we mm-hmm. need to start that. And this started when the Ndebele's were running away from, from Chaka and came to Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Remember, they fought the Shona people. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, from what I understand, they killed the men, took the, the, the wives and livestock, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. That's where this whole disunity and infighting started which escalated throughout the war of liberation up until the, nine, the early um, 19, 1980s mm-hmm. when, when we had the Gukrawind. Gukrawind was continuity of what started during the Muzilika's Nehanda era. Mm. So during the war of liberation, when Zanla and Zipra forces unite, got united, they were not, society didn't unite. Mm. The Shona stayed in the Mashona land, the, Matebe, the Debele people in the Matebele land. So it was just the Zanla and the Zipra, whenever they meet a white person, they kill a white person. Because mm. the issue was just, this is our common enemy. Mm. But what is the societal common enemy that we need to unite against? What mm. is that societal, so, uh, the, that, mm. the, that social enemy that both Shonas and Debeles need to unite against today in 2020 as we begin the year? Yeah. Currently, we have politically polarized everything. Mm-hmm. Everything now is centered uh, on, on, on politics and economy and all of that. But we, we, we are a social nation. We need to go back to what I just outlined to mm. say what happened in the past during the Nehanda and Muzilikazi era happened. Okay. And we need to agree on that. Once we agree on that, that's when we can find a way forward to know that Zimbabwe does not belong to just the Shona people. Zimbabwe does not belong to ZANPF. It doesn't belong to NDC. It it belongs to the Zimbabwean people, which is the Shonas and the Ndebeles, and there is nobody superior. Yeah. Because when we look at it right now, mm. um, I, I, I'll just go back to what, what I just said, uh, uh, the, the fight between the Shona and the Ndebele people. Mm. I'll go back to that to say, when, when the Gukura wind happened, Right, which is the continuity of the fight between Muzilikazi and Nanda and everything that happened in the past. Mm. When Gukra Windy happened, it was the revenge, Shona people revenging what they what we called the Majiti, what they did. Mm. So because of that revenge, they wanted to make sure that no Ndebele person will be superior. That's why you find we never had um, uh, any Ndebele people, uh, any Ndebele person be on leadership. Uh, in prominent positions. Exactly. It's mm. always the vice even or the today. Vice even today. Even when under MSM Nangangas. Even uh, under Chamisa, the opposition, who is supposed to be the Moses of, of the country, is not the legitimate, legitimate leader of the MDC. Mm. Kupe, Tokozani Kupe, is the one. But yeah. she was eliminated because of tribe. And that is an issue that people of Zimbabwe, they know it very well, but they don't want to address that kind of issue. Okay, let's, let's let you breathe and, and let mm. Faith uh, join 
the conversation, interesting mm. insights that Absolute, she has because absolutely. she's taking it right back to issues of tribalism. Absolutely. Uh, and she says it's basically, uh, you know, if you have to go back to the barrel of the gun, go there, but you mm. have to find a way to unite Zimbabweans mm. on a tribal level. Mm. It may be tried to mention it, but many Zimbabweans, Mm. whether in private spaces or Mm. in public spaces, they are increasingly hankering for for an era that's that's Mm. gone, an era that we who looked at Zimbabwe from the outside Mm -hmm. assumed they wanted gone, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And because if for for when we looked at it from the outside, it looked like it brought them some problems. Is it fair to hanker for that era, the Mugabe era, if I can call it that? I'd say, first of all, I have met Zimbabweans all over the world. Mm. You know, here in South Africa, in, in Europe, in Asia, in America, I've met Zimbabweans everywhere. The passion is top-notch. For Robert Mugabe? Passion for the country for the and country. for some kind of way forward, mm. liberation. I haven't met a single Zimbabwean who says, it is what it is, Let, let's just move on. Mm. Everyone knows that things could be better and everyone is desperate, no matter how far away they are from home, to make things better. Mm-hmm. We don't even have to start from Zimbabwe or, or from Mugabe or, or start from the current situation. I think as an outsider analyzing political and economic systems and trying to figure out, is there a template for moving forward? Is there, has this been repeated somewhere, has been done somewhere in the past? Is there a way that this situation can be resolved? You always look at a crisis from political, economic and social points of view. Mm-hmm. She's taking most of the social point of view to say, mm-hmm. as a people, if we can think in unison, there's no way we can resolve our challenges. Mm. If we take it politically and we say, well, where was there a breakdown in Zimbabwe? It, Zimbabwe was a lightning rod for the whole continent. Everyone loved Zimbabwe's where industrial economy. Agrarian economy. It is uh, a situation that has actually repeated itself, in my opinion, across several countries. Absolutely. The in breakdown, the I think, yeah, across the continent. If you go from 60s and 70s, our continent was at a phase, at, at a stage where we were collectively tied of foreign influence and were determined to read our continent of all kinds of vestiges of foreign influence. Mm-hmm. We had freedom fighters, we had economic fighters, we had intelligent leaders, and we had citizens whose voices were being heard. Mm-hmm. And so people were pushing for independence in all kinds of ways, not just political independence. People were fighting to establish economies. You had you, the US dollar exchanging for one, you know, comparative to, to local currencies in Nigeria, in Ghana, in South Africa, all over the place. So our economies were strong, our political institutions were being built in the 60s and 70s. What happened is that we did not pass through the type of transition we needed to pass through between the freedom fighters and the economy builders. The freedom fighters remained a little it bit remains, too long. It remains a generic problem. It remained a little bit too long across the continent. Yeah. And then people got very comfortable and citizens began to accept peanuts for a while because it, it, it was okay. These guys were the ones who delivered us from the foreign power so they can stay another five years, another 10, another 20 years. Yeah. We did not... We don't switch on quickly enough to push for reforms in our systems until we entered the 80s and 90s. And we realized for 20, 30 years, we've been going through the same thing. We've been in decline. Yeah. These people who Economic decline. When you say economic de- decline yeah. and political decline and as well. And social decline. And social decline. Because All the spaces those, were tight. those Zimbabweans that you speak about, yeah. that you say you, you've met around the world, yeah. they're not at home. They're not. Yeah, that's true. They escaped. And th- that's a problem, isn't <laughs> they're it? They're the ones who escaped. Yeah. And once you escape, you begin to rationalize things in a way you should not rationalize. Mm. When you are caught in a situation that's absolutely uncomfortable, you will push back. Mm. But once you've got a bit of relative comfort, you begin to say, maybe this is actually not that bad. I, I, I feel 
for my brothers and sisters who are back at home. So I think collectively across the continent, we missed a chance in the 80s and early 90s to push back and reform our systems. We've now had situations that have been running for 30, 40 years in which people are complaining but their voices are not being heard at the table. So economically, politically and socially, Zimbabwe is caught in a quagmire and the solutions are almost clear, even though they're difficult and they'll be difficult to implement. People okay. have to fight back even harder than they have so far. Okay, join the conversation. Sorry, Martha. Uh, join the conversation, by the way. We are in conversation uh, with, uh, uh, we are auditing the state of Zimbabwe with uh, Martha Shumba. He, she is a Zimbabwean-born activist, lives in South Africa, and executive director of the Coalition Against Sanctions. The voice you just heard is Faith Abiodun, who's the director of the International Relations Council at the African Leadership Academy um, and uh, you can join the conversation by calling us on 0891 uh, you can also SMS us on 41391 that SMS will cost you a rent 50 we're also on WhatsApp on 061 you don't necessarily have to be a Zimbabwean born person to comment uh, it's an issue that affects uh, all of us as as, um, as Africans I want to stay with you a little bit Faith um, because you um, you know you you, you, you generically are saying uh, the main problems are economic and, and it sounds and looks uh, on the outside as also administrative uh, problems. When Emerson Nangwagwa came into power, he touted himself as a man who listens. Mm. Right? Mm. It's a good thing mm-hmm. uh, uh, to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some are saying uh, listening without action is futile. Absolutely. Um, where are we since he came into power where are we since Emerson Nangwago came into power? As an outsider, again, I think people were very happy, first mm. of all, to have some kind of respite. The entire continent was eager for some type of movement in Zimbabwe. And, and Mnangagwa gave us that type of movement. Mm-hmm. At the very least, we're done with Mugabe. Mm. But we didn't look too closely to realize he's part of the system. He was part of the system. Mm. So as someone who listens, he listens or he used to listen because his voice was not being heard. Mm. All of a sudden, his voice is the dominant force. And mm. we realize it's still one of the same. So He's if, still listening. He, he's still listening. <laughs> He's, he's listening mostly to himself and people who, who are telling him what he wants to hear. Yeah. So Zimbabwe will, will make the type of progress it needs to make when diverse voices are welcome in power. Mnangagwa is part of the system that existed before he came into power and he is representing exactly what has always been the challenge. So I don't see a lot of movement, unfortunately. Policies have not changed. There's, not, there's no new entry of, of, of any kind of foreign investment into Zimbabwe in two years. Yeah. Well, what what has changed? So different face, same situation. Okay. We're going to talk about that uh, diversifying the voices, whether mm-hmm. it, it's political or social voices, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, when we do come back so that change can happen. Uh, we're talking Zimbabwe uh, in our audit today, the state of Zimbabwe. What can be done to fix Zimbabwe? It's 24 minutes past two. Life happens weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back. It's 24 minutes past two. The conversation is really rife in the studio. 24 minutes past two. We're auditing Zimbabwe today uh, in our audit. And we have Faith uh, Abiodun, who is director of the International Relations Council at the African Leadership Academy. Also, Martha Shumba is here. Uh, Martha Shumba is a Zimbabwean-born activist, lives in South Africa herself, advocates uh, for a social reform, really, uh, in Zimbabwe. She also happens to be the executive director of the Coalition Against 
against sanctions, diversifying voices. Mm. Let's talk about diversifying voices. You refer, you referenced uh, Emerson Nangongwa mm. as wanting to be surrounded by yes men. Yes, mm. you're right. Mm. Uh, everything you say, you're right. Mm. But hardly having dented anything mm. socially, politically, mm. economically mm. Uh, in the country that uh, Robert Mugabe was ousted from. Mm. How do we dive? What kind of voices do we need to have diversified? Mm. Primarily, it sounds to me like you're saying political voices. Mm-hmm. Political voices, first of all, uh, because it was reported on last week that uh, there's been a move by Monangagwa to, uh, to, to, he's just gazetted, I guess, a, a move, uh, a different statement that takes away the, the running mate clause in the, in, the, in the constitution, which means that he might not have to enter power. If he wins the next election, he might mm-hmm. not have to be tied to running mate. Mm-hmm. He's almost becoming... The exact same thing he fought, the people fought against and thought we were losing mm-hmm. a dominant mm-hmm. force. He was ousted from power's deputy, mm-hmm. right? And he's all, he's just gazetted the exact same thing to ensure that whoever is his running mate in the next elections does not have any kind of equal, you know, right to power. That is stifling political space. That just can't happen. Dictatorship has always been tied to economic decline in every country. Okay. There is no way this will be different. Dictatorship has always been uh, linked to economic decline, and that is. Uh, the the thought of faith uh, Abiodun. We've got a caller, guys, um, and we've got some uh, voice notes as well. Uh, so I think uh, you wear your headphones so that we deal with all of those or include them in the conversation. Let's start with Romeo uh, on the telephone in Germiston. Hello, Romeo. Welcome to SAFM. Yes, uh, compliment for the new year. All ooh, of you guys. Romeo, 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 your line is so bad. So try... <laughs> Try and walk around for me so that I can find. Um, uh, uh, no, no, Romeo. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's let's see if we can hear you. Go ahead. No, no. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we try Romeo again, guys. Um, uh, get him to stand at a spot that is more convenient and uh, also get uh, the headphones working for our, our, our guests um, in, in the studio. In your, in your uh, desire for the diversity, I mean, for social cohesion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Martha, I bring you in, mm-hmm. which is what you spoke about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, in terms of political diversification, which is what Faith was talking about, how necessary is that? Because I'm assuming, I may be wrong, I'm assuming uh, there's leaders uh, who are revered by the Ndebele people uh, in Zimbabwe in equal measures. There's leaders that are revered by the Shona people. How important for you is the diversification of political voices for the regrowth, if at all, of, of the Zimbabwean economy? Yes. Um, like I said before, when when the Zanla and the Zipra uh, uh, forces you, um, got united to fight their enemy, the society at large didn't didn't unite. Mm. I think that's that's where we should start. Mm-hmm. So, which means everybody now not, now it is the time for everybody to come on board, from your village headman to an ordinary Zimbabwean mm-hmm. to a, to the diaspora community. Mm-hmm. To every everybody from any political party, it is time now for us to unite. Yeah. Because if we leave this to only politicians, politicians are well known all, all around the world to do what benefits them. So it always goes back to Emerson Munangagwa before he can say 
the whole of Zimbabwe should unite, or Nelson Shamisa says, before the rest of Zimbabwe should unite, it should also uh, be based on what benefit their political party. Yeah, but the needs of uh, the Zimbabwean people are dire today. Um, yeah. As the three of us are sitting here yeah. having a conversation, I mean, uh, you know, uh, there's a 600% hike, for example, in, in, in hospital fees. You can't mm-hmm. just get sick uh, mm-hmm. because uh, getting sick uh, costs you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know what doctors get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know uh, the number, we don't even have an exact number of the number of, of, of Zimbabweans that leave that country to go all over the world, in, in, including South Africa. Uh, when we talk about socially uh, realigning and socially um, uh, finding some sort of cohesion. Um, what are we saying to the people that are living in Zimbabwe today regards their needs, regards their needs for jobs, regards their need for economic activity, regards their need for uh, hospitalization and all of the basic things that citizens need on a day-to-day basis if we're advocating primarily first and foremost for social cohesion because the choo-choo train still has to keep moving people Mm -hmm. live people die people eat people have to participate in life Mm -hmm. so that they uh can be active citizens uh but they barely have a stable life the the news you hear coming out of zimbabwe is almost what you hear from a crisis uh, Mm. a a country that's at war with itself right Mm. people can't buy bread people can't buy oil people can't put fuel in the vehicles People yeah. can't go to hospitals. Yeah. It sounds like a crisis. It sounds like this country is at war with itself. Okay. So there's an economic conversation that needs to be had. Separate. Let, let's have that economic uh, conversation when we do come back because mm. unfortunately we're a minute late for the mm. news headlines. Mm. But it's uh, 2.31 on SAFM. It's time for the news headlines with Greg Hose. Life Happens. Weekdays. 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back. Uh, you are listening to Life Happens on SAFM 104 to 107 FM nationwide, leading the conversation. Our studio numbers as we audit the state of Zimbabwe today uh, in the year 2020, 0891-104-207. You can also WhatsApp us on 0614104107. We'll play some of your WhatsApps in not too long a time. You can also send an SMS on 41391, and uh, that SMS will cost you around 50. Our guest in the studio, Faith uh, Abi Odun, who is Director of the International Relations. Council at the African Leadership Academy. Guest also is Martha Shumba, Zim activist living in South Africa and executive director of the Coalition Against Sanctions. My name is Homoto Keiji Mwekiti driving this conversation and Romeo is back hopefully with a clearer line. Romeo in Germiston. Romeo, welcome to SAFM. Thank you very much. I've already greeted all of you guys. But we couldn't hear you, but thank you so much. Welcome. What are your yes, thoughts? I, I wanted to say compliment of the year 2020. I hope 2020 is going to be a political resolution. And I believe that all African countries now have got an experience of what is happening to some other countries. But anyway, back to the issue of Zimbabwe. The problem of Zimbabwe is quite really huge. I don't know how to describe the problem. Maybe it's in an Antarctic or it's a what, whatever, any way which can express it. But uh, the solution is very simple. Zimbabweans need to come back together as one family, as one a nation, and talk the unity and the unity and the unity. Above all, there is nothing that can defeat unity. If they remain united and talk one sense, 
And then Zimbabwe will come back to its own uh, heydays, even if it cannot come uh, in opportunities come um, with, um, in opportunities to come. But I believe if they're united, if they've got a sense of rebuilding the country, they need to come back together to the table, not a politics of stomachs. The politics of stomach is one of the politics that have destroyed Africa. And I believe that's why at one time I did ask uh, to the desk of observation of the African Union and other things. And I said, African Union should have come up with an idea of that. Every president who comes to power must stay for only two terms so that new ideas will come in. But with a unit idea, people will always cherish their country and enjoy the benefits of the country. That's interesting. As we speak right now, uh, as long as unity is not there, we can talk and talk and talk. But the idea is a simple one. Mnangagwa, Weza Chamisa, they need to think about the people, not their stomach. Okay. And they're united. I, I want to I, I keep you on the line there because you are echoing largely the sentiments of one of our guests in the studio, uh, Martha Shumba. Uh, you, you say Zimbabweans must come together. If Zimbabweans come together, uh, you know, things will be better. What has up to now stopped Zimbabweans from coming together? Thank you very much. Soon after ZANU-PF took over 1980, um, the country was really running very well until early uh, 90s, late 90s. When the British uh, handed over the country to the Zimbabwean people, they handed over the country with an idea that they need to first to get experience of their own country and running out of the country with a proper way at a later stage, they were advised that they're going to change their constitution. 2000, we went for a referendum. When people went for a referendum, there were those who were supporting the government. There were those who were not supporting the government. Like as we speak right now, we are talking about Section 25 of the land um, restitution and to take the land without compensation. So that was the fight between the yes and the no. When the no won the, the, the votes, the government couldn't uh, accept the no votes. They rather went on with the, their own idea as part of the liberation struggle that they wanted their land back, which was taken to their forefathers a long time ago. So the idea was not to go and sit there enjoying the life, but everybody must have a piece of land. Thank so you. that's when we saw the war veterans started to go into the farms and take the land. Immediately, Already the, the voting law was on the sense of supporting that we cannot take the land in this way. That is the, the beginning of the separation of Zimbabwean people that has dismantled the unity among the Zimbabwean people. Okay, I'll let, I'll, say, let you, I'll let you go now so that I can uh, let other people through. But I think you've, you've explained uh, the point. I think they call it indigenization. Uh, because, uh, thank you, Romeo and Jemiston, because uh, Robert Mugabe in, initiated in the mid-2000s and empowered locals to demand majority stake, not only in land, in uh, the country's businesses, mm. in the country's factories, mm. in the country's banks, in the country's minds. Uh, so it's, it, it, you know, uh, it, it, everything is indigenized. Yeah. Um, I, I want to comment on the, on the land issue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when we we got our independence in 1980, we signed the Lancaster House Agreement, mm-hmm. of the very we, famous one. Yes, mm. it was supposed to 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 be from uh, um, 1980 to 1990, and during the 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 Lancaster House Agreement, um, it 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 helped Zimbabwe to gain experience because we had a black leader, we had no experience at all, mm-hmm. and we also adopted a British constitution. Mm. People should be aware of that. Mm. So certain things were not changed. We carried on to a new Zimbabwe with a, with our colonizers constitution. With a, with a blueprint that was given to you exactly. by the same country that colonized you. Yes. So the land was supposed to be taken after 10 years. Mm. But it, it had to be stopped. Reason being, the same time, that was when de Klerk was trying uh, to, to, to negotiate for South Africa. So taking the land back uh, that during the same time when South Africa is supposed to get its independence in 1984, was going to alert, or let's just say, um, um, the white people here were not going to be confident in whatever the agreement was to come uh, on South Africa. Okay. And most, okay, let's 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 take uh, two voice notes. Take a caller. Uh, get get Faith's uh, comment uh, on what you're saying about mm. the issue of indigenization because yeah. it's at the heart of um, the economic almost redefinition uh, to unfortunately the negative yeah. of uh, the Zimbabwean government and this is irrespective of which Zimbabwean government whether it's a Mugabe, Mugabe government or Mnangagwa government. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's hear these vo- voice notes. Hi KG, this is Akimatebola on Zimbabwe. You know, sometimes I think young people of Zimbabwe, they are very, very much lenient. You know, since from that time when uh, uh, MDC Changrai was still alive, it was all about bullying another political parties. ZANU-PF, they are dictating everything. So when Mnangagwa comes in, I thought Mnangagwa was going to change something out. As a South African, I was also celebrating to Zimbabwean people, but now it seems like young people of Zimbabwe, they need to stand up and fight like they are they are looking for new liberation for Zimbabwe because it won't be good for Zimbabweans until people of Zimbabwe fight ZANU-PF out. Thank you. Zagmatewa. Wow, Zagmatewa. Let's hear another uh, voice note. Thank you, Zag, by the way, for your voice note. Good afternoon, KG and your guests. My name is Rato Umabula in Le Palale. Um, I once worked for a company actually owned by a Zimbabwean, and I've noticed something uh, between the Shonas and the, the Ndebeles there. It's like the Ndebeles were supposed to learn Shona language. Uh, they are somehow, uh, you know, not at the level of the Shonas by, by what I saw. And it's something that is quite relative also in South Africa, where other people feel that they, their tribe is superior than others. But you know, Zimbabwe are generally hard-working people and it saddens to see their country in this state. Um, I remember in 2017 when the news of Emerson Mnangagwa emerged that he would uh, uh, you know take over from Robert Mugabe as, as it were a coup that we have seen. I had hoped that the country would, far, would be better but it seems that the ship is sinking further enough and worse actually. But you would realize that if they were to sort things out, Zimbabwe would really be the best economy in Africa. 
Okay, uh, if they were to sort things out, Zimbabwe would be the best economy in Africa and uh, and echoes uh, your 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 point about tribalism, but we all know the dangers of tribalism and the things that they've it has done all over uh, the, the the African continent. I want to stick a little bit faith with the issue of indigenization because I don't know, there was a perception, I don't know if we're wrong or we were looking at the situation from the outside that uh, he would, um, Ms. Mdangwangwa would come in and almost uh, soften, I'll use the word soften, uh, soften the, the the country's stance on indigenization in the interest of attracting business, of course, into Zimbabwe. And uh, he didn't dismantle anything since he came into power. Is it is it still a necessary thing for the Zimbabwean people today, uh, the issue of uh, indigenization of industries? Because this is not, I'm not talking land, which is a separate issue, as she explained the issue of the Lancaster Agreement. Uh, they indigenization of industry is that still a necessary thing and is that perhaps what could be holding Emerson Nangwagwa back from um, growing the Zimbabwean economy for the needs of Zimbabweans who live in Zimbabwe today? You know there's always a short-term game and a long-term game. Mm. Unfortunately we're getting both mixed in one conversation. Mm -hmm. Everyone is getting both mixed in one conversation. Mm -hmm. Indigenization is always a long-term strategy Mm. right you want you want to empower people you want to keep local property in the hands of local people Mm -hmm. you want to boost industrialization you need to always win the game that exists in order to win the right to play the game you want to play yeah the the game that exists is that you don't control market forces yeah you don't control the, the factors of production you play you play with market you, forces you, at a global you level you play with the game that exists yeah. and then you build your reserves in order to have the right to demand the game you want to play mm-hmm. no country in the world goes fully protectionist protectionism means that everything happens internally we decide what we choose to trade with the rest of the world yeah well you also decide what comes into your hands yeah zimbabwe has gone in that indigenization route in all kinds of ways. The economic policies have been difficult for the rest of the world to come in. It's even hard for foreign trade, for foreign aid to come into Zimbabwe. How hard is it to receive foreign aid? Yeah. So Zimbabwe's economic policies have been disastrous, to say yeah. the least. Yeah. Right? And I, I don't think indigenization is a bad idea. Yeah. I think it's in a the good long idea term. in the wrong time. In, yeah. the mo- in this immediate moment, you need to give your people a shot on the arm. Give people something. Relax policies. Allow goods and services to enter the country. Give People will complain less about social issues if they have food to eat. Okay. When people don't have food to eat, they're going to be on the streets every single day. Yeah. Let's go to a caller uh, mm-hmm. before we come to Martha. Um, uh, Mishak, you are in Pretoria. Welcome to SAFM. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Your your comments? Yes. Uh, you know, listening to the guests uh, in the studio, I think that those people, they are very much comfortable in South Africa. They cannot, I don't think they will ever bring any change in Zimbabwe. That is why most Zimbabweans, like the ones you have in the studio, one they is not Zimbabwean, by the way. Uh, just for your information, there's only one Zimbabwean here. Uh, the other one is not necessarily Zimbabwean, so we mustn't no, make that yeah. assumption. No, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, Zimbabweans uh, that are in the country, especially, they are doing everything to be very comfortable in South Africa. Uh, they know uh, Zimbabwe is their country is fine, but uh, they 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 are building, trying to build themselves and establish themselves so well in South Africa. That what they are saying does not even reach their brothers and sisters back home. Mm. That is why their children are comfortable here in good schools. Others are overseas. 
they are just longing home, but they are doing nothing which is credible to the ordinary men in Zimbabwe to, to actually gather numbers to change things. That is why now the problem is no longer the West. The problem is that uh, the, uh, the administration of Mugabe made it impossible for an ordinary Zimbabwe to turn things around. Like what we are seeing in South Africa, when Ramaphosa came in, they thought he's a new broom that will ship clean. Instead, he was still part of the comrades who are protecting themselves. That's why there's not even a single person that is going to jail. Now, it's the same thing with ZANU-PF. Anyone who's trying anything against is fighting against the brick wall. Now, these ones that are in South Africa, it's even worse for them because they are so comfortable. They won't do any change. Okay. I think this is what we see in South Africa. Okay. Your your point has been made. Thank you so much, Mishak. Let's go to another caller before uh, you you guys uh, uh, answer those callers. Uh, It's you, Don. You calling from uh, Randberg. Welcome to SAFM. Good good afternoon, KG. Good afternoon. How are you, man? I'm very well, thank you. What What is on your mind regarding Zimbabwe? Listen, ma'am. You know, uh, we 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 South Africa in South Africa. We're talking, we're talking exactly, but we we don't understand exactly the flux of the data that is there. You know, the, we talk about indigenization, uh, uh, land, etc., etc. All those things, my sister, they never existed. This was the land given to Mugabe and his cronies. The indigenization it was Mugabe and his cronies. There's not even today, if they can go and hold and get a farmer, that is said, a farmer, this farmer was produced during Mugabe's era, and put it there on the street and say, what is this farming? You mm. go to the land and say, which land was given to a, to a, to a farmer in Zimbabwe? So, Here is the land. So you're saying so this, this, this indigenization exist. really benefited uh, the most powerful um, uh, no, exactly. in, in government? It, it, the most powerful, powerful one. The Chianguas, the the what the, the Pamires, those are the people that are close to Mugabe that benefited from this thing. Okay. It never benefited a single black person in Zimbabwe. The the, the land was never not even a one person. I can tell you now, I can tell you with with my eyes eyes closed. There is not even one single person in Zimbabwe who, who, who has got a farm. Even these uh, war vets were going to the farm. They were going there to destroy and destroy and destroy and go away and leave. That land, that place is barren. Mm. There is land today. Is granted. All that land that is said to have been taken, you will find it, there is absolutely nothing. Not, okay. even, not even a cow. Okay. So, You've made... I mean, you are busy talking here about what land Mugabe was, the, what he was, Mugabe changed, what Mugabe changed, nothing. There's not even a road, my sister. Roads that were there were built by Smith. Okay. And today there's not even a single road. Okay. I'm telling you today, the road from from Pipebridge, from from Pipebridge to to Bulawayo, it does not exist. From Pipebridge to to Maswingo, it does not exist. From Bulawayo to to Harare, the road does not exist. It is dying. Yeah. You know, you, you know, and people are going out now saying, "Hey, Mugabe, Mugabe, Daddy, no, the Mugabe was fighting for people. Which people? Yeah. Which so, people? so there is a road that leads to the blue mansion, though. But I think you've made your point. Uh, thank you for your call. And let's answer these uh, these calls. Mishak is talking about Zimbabweans, perhaps uh, like yourself, Martha, uh, uh, the caller from <clears throat> the earlier caller, who said, you know, Zimbabweans they come to South Africa, become extremely comfortable, and they talk and they talk and they talk, but there's really effectively nothing. 
uh, that they can do to alter their situation uh, back home. I want to hear your comment on that. And the issue of indigenization, uh, Faith, uh, you, you know, he, uh, the caller we just had, I think it's Don, uh, you know, says eloquently it never really uh, benefited any average or ordinary Zimbabweans. Mm. It was, uh, he used the word cronies mm. uh, to describe uh, the people that surrounded uh, the then president of, of, of uh, Zimbabwe, mm. Robert Mugabe. He says no indigenization, there's no roads, mm. you know, uh, I, I saw online, though, a road that leads to the Blue Mansion, but <laughs> yeah. that's a separate discussion for another day. Okay. Let's hear your, your mm. comment on the issue of you being Zimbabwean, living here, having your kids go to school here, and you not being effective to the people on the ground in Zimbabwe. I think, um, um, just answering to what Meshach, Meshach said, yeah. and everybody else, including South Africans and Zimbabweans who are based in Zim, they believe that when you are here, you are actually not doing anything. Yeah. I was in Zim recently. We collected books. We were paying school fees for people who are struggling in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. It's something that we don't uh, shout out on social media, what we are doing to assist the people of Zimbabwe. Yeah. And but social media would help you to gather the funds or the books or all of the things that you would need to distribute in Zimbabwe, would it not? Yeah, it, it, it would. That, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And we, we are doing quite a lot being here. And moving from zimbabwe to come here it actually helped a lot of zimbabweans because we were like horses in blinkers without moving to south africa i was not going to be sitting here talking about zimbabwean issues you well, probably wouldn't have the right we, to have this the right or the knowledge yeah we wouldn't know what the country should be like mm-hmm. so also going back to um i just want to be quick here for, oh, for Mishak. Uh, the the previous caller mentioned that the, the land never benefited any anybody mm-hmm. i don't know where uh, to some extent he says it didn't it benefit be right. any average zimbabweans it benefited the the most powerful i come from berengwa yeah in a village called Mberebete. near my village where the farmer uh, texas he owned a, a big farm it was distributed to the people from my area mm-hmm. people were given land and what are they doing with the land today that's a big question that's so, where we got so it they all did wrong. Get some some did get the some land did get but land. they didn't do yes. anything and, with it and also on that on that note yes the mugabe cronies they got the most fatal land mm-hmm. and they grabbed more land than what should have been distributed to the ordinary zimbabweans that's why now munangago what he is doing they've audited land that much i know they've audited land those who have like 15 farms they are taking back some of the land. And right now they are saying... They are taking it back for who? For the state? For people. People can go to the council, to their council, and apply for a plot or a farm or whatever you want. There is a process. But now the problem we have in Zimbabwe is that in most parts, it's all zanotized. Zanutized. There's a new one. There's another one. Um, it's zanutized. Um, she says, uh, you know, to some extent, indigenization, where land is concerned, did yeah. work. Yeah. Um, uh, it has been distributed to mm. some, but it lies fat. It lies there, fertile, mm. and not really being used for anything uh, uh, practical. Um, and and of course, uh, the, the 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 cronies, as the word is said, is who benefited the most from. Uh, this process of indigenization. Uh, does that prove the point that you were making earlier, or do you still hold uh, the view that in the, it works in the long term, but in the in in the current term, you have to play the game in the world in the way everybody in the world is playing the game? You see, first of all, yes. Whenever politics and economics go together, and they always will, 
Yeah. The people who They're are married. closest to the center of politics will always have the better shit. That's just yeah, the way the world true. works. Yeah. We can fight it all we want, but you have to understand. If we fought together to make a policy come to line, I'm not going to say I'm going to go join the queue, distribute to everyone else, and come back to me if it eventually comes around. So, mm -hmm. unfortunately, yes, those who are closest to government got the, f the fattest land, but that's the way the, the thing works. Also, any economic policy takes years to come mm. to light, perhaps a whole decade for you to begin to see a, a, a curve come into place. But we change policies. How many times has Zimbabwe changed its currency situation? Yeah, in, in one decade, it changed three or four times. So unfortunately, policies don't just come into light in, immediately you, you promulgate them. I want to talk about freedoms because we haven't included uh, them in this conversation yeah. and they're really a necessary evil, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, if we can call it evil. Uh, whether it is the freedom uh, and, and the right to assembly, freedom to speech, freedom to expression, and I'm reminded by what Martha said that she may not have been able to be as active mm -hmm. uh, an activist if she had uh, uh, stayed in Zimbabwe. Yeah. A lot of us, again, gazing from the outside assumed the uh, Emerson Nangagwa era uh, would usher in uh, those freedoms, the right to assemble, uh, the right to free speech, uh, the, all, all of these rights. But we see images again on television where people are not allowed still today under Emerson Nangagwa's uh, government to just assemble, even if they're disagreeing with, with, uh, with, with the government. Mm -hmm. Those are human rights violations. Yeah. How then do we deal with those? Okay. In, in terms of in terms of that, there are most. About, I know the recent ones where pictures were posted and stuff like that. Uh, propaganda is everywhere, especially in Zimbabwe, which is making it very difficult for anybody to do anything. Things are not uh, really how they look in in some cases. Are you saying honest. people have the right to assemble? People have the right to assemble. If you can watch those videos, the, the recent ones when police had to beat up people, yeah. they were told to go inside because what they booked for was uh, was the state house. You cannot block the streets because so there people are, are on business. Okay, mm. there are no human rights violations according to you in Zimbabwe today as we're sitting having this conversation. Yes. There will probably be undertones, right? Oh, yeah. not, again, not everything is black and white. It's black mm -hmm. and white. Right, so whatever keeps the government in power must keep the government in power. If mm -hmm. the government is a little bit uncomfortable with any, uh, you know, overt show of dominance by citizens, the government will probably instruct the police anything that looks like it's out of the, 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 the boundaries uh, recognized, you have to be a little bit tough on them. So, yes, very likely people are allowed to, to gather and to have conversations, but everyone can't be wrong. There's clearly little bit of undertones uh, in this conversation. It's a silly to... Undertones means where the smoke, there is some semblance of fire, right? A a again... However small when, or big the fire. When, when, an e when a country is in an economic tight situation, mm -hmm. you will never struggle to find political subjugation next door. It will is always be tight again. Emerson Nangagwa, is he reading the mood of the Zimbabwean people currently right? Is he, re is he reading the, the mood of the globe right for a man in his position currently? I don't think so. If you look at similar cases we've had in other countries as well, where you look at Gambia, which had to oust his leader because of political and economic subjugation, mm -hmm. Egypt, Sudan, everyone looks at the leader and says, this guy's living in an alternate universe. Mm. So my, South Africa also right now. Everyone has yeah? the same conversation. So it's really hard for someone who's locked in conversations with deputies and cronies to be able to read the mood of people who are on the streets and who are saying, can't you make one move? Mm -hmm. So my, my recommendation, because we've, we've had a long conversation about what Zimbabwe needs to do. Mm -hmm. Countries that have been in this same situation in the past have taken one move that I think might help. 
it brings together the political, economic, and social conversations. It's called a sovereign national dialogue. Mm -hmm. This type of conversation is called and brings together leaders of the Shona, leaders of the Ndebele, economic leaders, political leaders, social leaders. Everyone comes together and there are few national questions that are on the table. What is going to be the mode of governance in this country? Everyone contributes that. You have but, rep from the diaspora as well mm -hmm. who are allowed to contribute. If Zimbabwe is serious and if citizens and, and, and advocates are serious about having any type of difference made, it's hard to criticize the diaspora and say they're doing nothing for Zimbabwe. Mm. They can't individually do a thing. No single individual can do a thing. But, but, right but they now, must call for dialogue. Sorry, sorry to cut off that. They've called a dialogue, mm -hmm. the Pollard, and right now political parties are part of it, yeah. except for the MDC that said we are not going to be part of it. So we go back to people of Zimbabwe uniting. So if the government call for unity to say all political parties, let's come together to speak about this, to have this kind of dialogue, mm -hmm. and a certain political party doesn't want to be part of it, we go back to unity. To say, even if Mnangagwa can read uh, uh, the, the mood. mood of the people, mm. if we are not united, we mm. will send different symptoms. We will send different different problems. And going back to, to the violence, human rights abuses and, and stuff like that, it goes back to the opposition, we can feel the pain as mm. Zimbabweans. Mm. But they shouldn't act as if they are a special case. Where we can think that today we must close the market square because we want to talk about issues in Zimbabwe. An ordinary Zimbabwe. Are you an MTC supporter? Oh, I can call myself what? In between. <laughs> <laughs> I will start my own policy. You, no, you want to start it. <laughs> no, I don't Because it, it doesn't sound like you, you are. Anyway, it doesn't matter which party you like mm, or, or yeah. you don't like. Mm. Um, the, the conversation, uh, I think 30 seconds each before we go. Okay. Uh, where to from here? Where to from here? And anyone can go first. I believe that everyone who's passionate about seeing change in Zimbabwe has got to advocate for genuine national questions mm -hmm. to be on the table. Mm -hmm. There are questions that need to be answered. These questions involve use of land and economic policy, political freedoms, freedoms of individuals. If these questions are on the table, facilitated by an external party, not necessarily a leader from ZANU-PF or a leader from MDC, a genuine national dialogue that a puts genuine, national questions. A genuine national dialogue. And yes. you, Martha? Yeah, what I want, I want to say is, once we, as Zimbabweans we are united, we can build confidence for anybody who wants to do whatever they want to okay. do in Zimbabwe. Social cohesion. Yes. Faith Abiodun is Director of the International Relations Council at the African Leadership Academy. Martha Shumba, Zim activist living in South Africa, Executive Director of the Coalition Against Sanctions. Thank you, Tabel Mpapudi and Bushoka Matlosa, the producers of this show. Uh, and Phineas has been my technical producer today. Uh, the focal point is with John Herrick and it is straight after the news at three. It's three now. It's time for the news with Greg Hose.